0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texas Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football and sideline reporter. So glad to be with you. We're going to hear from Andre Ware later in the show, also John McClain later in the show. But we want to take a ride through week 13 in the NFL. Man, what a ride it was. So we are going to start with the game of the day. Now, there were a few of them, but the game of the day to me took place in Cincinnati that's right WKRP in Cincinnati and it was Chiefs v Bengals and baby what a game this was and Cincinnati jumped out to a 7-3 lead in this game taking it on into the second quarter and that's when Joe Burrow found T. Higgins to give them a 14-3 lead you know, high point every time.
1: It would be dangerous right here at third and eight. He's at the bottom of the screen, but Burrow's going the other way, and he's got Higgins, and he dives for the touchdown. What a play by T. Higgins.
0: But the Chiefs would get back in this game. Isaiah Pacheco would score after Jarek McKinnon scored, so two straight uh, touchdowns for the running backs of the Chiefs. Gave the Chiefs a 17-14 to lead. But then the Bengals tied. Evan McPherson kicked the 36-yard field and tied to tie at 17, and then Patrick Mahomes turned into Jump Man, you know, like the Air Jordan logo. It got a little controversial, but he did get in the end zone, and this gave the Chiefs a 24-17 lead. It's
1: for real. Mahomes up in the air, and he fumbled as he went across. Did he break the plane first?
0: It looked like he broke the plane. Touchdown's the signal. Oh, he did the Michael Jordan up on top of the ball, stretched out. Fumble comes out, but I think the Michael Jordan of the sport maybe
1: just got over two guys. And Alec Reddy says, I got it anyway, and I'm taking it
2: home. Oh, that, that ends anything anyway then. Creed Humphrey's like, give it to the old lineman. They did throw their hands up initially. Prior
1: to the quarterback fumbling the ball, the rolling on the field is a touchdown as he broke the plane prior to the fumble.
0: That did not make the Bengals fans very happy and understandable. They got a drive going. Evan McPherson kicked a 41 yard field goal to give Cincinnati, or to cut the Cincinnati deficit to four. The Bengals would get the ball back a little while later, and that's when Joe Burrow got his guy open, and then Jamar Chase made wonderful things happen. Pressure coming after Burrow on the two-minute. Rushing five. They seal it.
1: Gives Burrow a chance to chase. And there he goes.
0: Thornhill, he leaps over and out of bounds. Oh! Oh, wow. Burrow would end that drive. With an eight-yard touchdown pass to running back Chris Evans, and Cincinnati would take a 27-24 lead. Cincinnati would stop the Chiefs and get the ball back. Up three, in field goal range, but afraid of Mahomes. Burrow went back to pass knowing they got to pick up this first down. Get a first down and the game's over. Kick a field goal, and Mahomes has a chance. Well, Burrow ended the game right here. From the 28, pressure pass oh that's gonna do it Higgins somehow able to get that reception with Joshua Williams all over him Williams was furious after the game and for good reason he was draped all over Higgins but what a throw by Joey B 25 and 31 on the day 286 yards two tutties and the Chiefs go down to defeat for the third straight time to the Cincinnati Bengals 27-24 I think all three games have been 27-24. Mahomes only had 223 yards passing and one touchdown. Pacheco 66 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Jamar Chase had 97 yards receiving. And Samage P. Ryan went for over 100 with no Joe Mixon. Bengals win. Bengals move to 8-4, drop the Chiefs to 9-3. And, and now the Bengals are in that number three spot, tied with the Ravens atop the AFC North. But one game behind the Buffalo Bills, and now the Chiefs are behind the Buffalo Bills as well. The Bills are the number one seed in the AFC. Man, what a ball game that was in Cincinnati. All right, let's go to Minnesota, where the New York Jets were taking on a Minnesota Vikings, and Garrett Wilson, the rookie from Ohio State, got involved early.
1: Jets defense has kept them in the game. Now can the Jets cash in with a touchdown? Movement from Yuzama, White slings it. In stride, breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down.
0: But in Minnesota, there's only room for one star wide receiver. And even though DJ Reed wanted to talk about the fact that he was all up in Jay Jetta's bleep, as he said after the game, well, Jay Jetta's got him for the biggest play of the game. This touchdown from Justin Jefferson gave Minnesota a 27 15 lead, one they would not relinquish. I get right to where I want to go with every play call I make.
1: It's third down. Is it Jefferson time? Cousins throws, caught! Jefferson, touchdown, Minnesota!
0: Now, DJ Reed was definitely not in his bleep on that play because Jefferson had that touchdown. And he also had six other catches for a total of 45 yards and one touchdown. So Jefferson held in check. So good on the Jets, but big touchdown there to give the Minnesota Vikings a 27-15 lead. Now Mike White would score to make it 27-22, but when the Jets got the ball looking to take the lead and potentially win the game, Harrison Smith stepped in.
1: Ty Johnson now in there, the fourth year running back out of Maryland, former Detroit Lion. White looking, throws, popped up in the air, and intercepted. Off the deflection, Harrison Smith trying to loop to the outside. Smith reverses
0: field, looking for blockers. The Jets trying to get over there, and Smith hands it off. And that would seal this one for the Vikings. Mike White did throw for 369 yards, but he threw those two interceptions. That one you heard to Harrison Smith. One to Cameron Bynum. Bam Knight, the rookie, doing some good things for the Jets. 15 carries for 90 yards. And Garrett Wilson went nuts. Eight receptions for 162 yards. The Rooks getting it done for the Jets, but not enough. As the Jets fall to 7-5. The Vikings move to 10-2 with that big win. 27-22 over the J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 Let's go to Sunday Night Football where the Texans' next opponent and one of their hated opponents were matching wits at Jerry World. And it was all Dallas Cowboys. How about C.D. Lamb getting in the end zone? Yeah, Richmond, Texas, homie, here it is.
1: Hey, hey, hey.
0: Back organizing the
1: guys. Colts brings five. Cruz underneath, complete. C.D. Lamb, was he down? They say no for now, and he's into the end zone for a touchdown. C.D. got spun around.
0: But they ruled no body part was down. Stephon Gilbert. That lamb touchdown gave the Cowboys a 7-3 lead. Now, the Colts would stay in it for the most part, most of the game. In fact, at the end of the third quarter, this one was 21-19. And then, well, the turnover fireworks started. And you know, when things are going bad for a team, they go really badly. The Cowboys started taking the ball away from the Colts. In particular, a former Colt, in particular, the very first draft pick Chris Ballard ever made was Malik Hooker. He then picked this pass off. (laughs) Malik Hooker picking off the Colts. Boy, I'm kind of chuckling at it because the Colts had a rough night and they had a rough fourth quarter. And Malik Hooker was one of the major reasons why with this interception.
1: Second and ten for Ryan. Every pass is jumped, and it's intercepted on the deflection. Brown tipped it. On the right to the sideline, inside the 25-yard line for Malik Hooker.
0: But Hooker was far from done. He actually was going to score a little bit later. Wiley Cox fumble the football. It's recovered by Dallas. And is that Malik Hooker again?
1: It is against his old team again. Touchdown, Dallas.
0: Boy, that was some revenge from Malik Hooker in the fourth quarter. Gallup touchdown. The Hooker fumble return. Tony Pollard touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott touchdown. Malik Davis touchdown. It went from 21 19 to 54 19 as the Dallas Cowboys turn over the Colts almost every drive in the fourth quarter. My goodness. Matt Ryan threw for a 233, but he threw not one, not two, but three picks. Alec Pierce did have a touchdown. But the Cowboys held Jonathan Taylor to 82 yards. Dak threw three touchdowns. Tony Pollard had two rushing. CeeDee Lamb had that touchdown. And the Cowboys rolled. And I mean rolled big over the Indianapolis Colts 54-19. That puts the Cowboys at 9-3. Two games behind the Eagles. But they got an opportunity to catch him with a few left. The Eagles are playing really well. In fact, speaking of the Eagles, the 10-1 Eagles were taking on The AFC South leading Tennessee Titans, people were geeked about this game. I mean, they were geeked. In fact, a lot of people in Tennessee thought, yeah, yeah, we got this. Um, No. It was A.J. Brown revenge day. And I mean, big time. He had two touchdowns. Here was one of them.
1: Second down and three after the seven-yard game. Couple pumps. Hurts going deep for A.J. Brown. Down Philadelphia.
0: Brown was phenomenal, as you would expect. Eight catches, 119 yards, and two touchdowns. Speaking of revenge, he got it. But Jalen Hurts put on a show: 380 yards passing, 380 yards passing, and three touchdowns against the Tennessee Titans. 380 yards passing and three touchdowns against the Titans. I want you to think back to what the Texans didn't do against the Titans. They didn't throw for 380 yards. That's for damn sure. Titans offense did nothing. Ryan Tannehill threw for 141 and a tutty. That's it. Then he carried it for three for 34. I I mean, the Eagles shut down the running game. Shut it down. They held Derrick Henry to 30 yards on 11 carries. The Eagles made a significant statement who get to 11-1. They win 35-10. to A.J. Brown gets his revenge. Mike Rabel gets really mad. And the Titans fall to 7-5. It's just that nobody in the AFC South can catch the Tennessee Titans at all. Maybe the Jaguars? Well, maybe not the Jaguars. After Detroit got through with them, Detroit did whatever they wanted to up in the Motor City against the Jags. It was ugly from jump, and it stayed that way, in large part because the Jags couldn't stop Jared Goff, who ended up finding his guy, DJ Chark, right here. Making, you see the quick decisions from both of them.
1: That's the, been the difference for
0: Goff, who's airing it out deep for DJ Chark. He hangs on. Man, that was an absolute disaster for the Jaguars, which I'm not mad at. Not mad at it at all. The Lions got up early. They stayed up early, and they housed the Jacksonville Jaguars. 40-14, Jared Goff threw for 340 yards against the Jaguars' defense. He also threw two touchdowns. DeAndre Swift had one. I mentioned DJ Chark. He had that long catch, which you heard. But on this day, Amon Ross St. Brown went off. 11 catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Shark did have five catches for 98, including that 41 yard. DeAndre Swift had 49 yards receiving, in addition to 62 yards rushing. Jared Goff, one of his best days as a pro. Lions moved to 5-7. And, and had they won that game against the Bills, all I know is they tied it because here in Houston, we don't know what happened. So I just assume they tied. But 5-7, Jaguars move to 4-8. The Jags could just keep it together. Maybe they could catch Tennessee. I don't know. Because the Colts aren't doing it. We obviously are not doing it. And the Jaguars are, I don't know. The Titans, the Titans could have that thing sewn up in a week or two and then rest everybody because they're going nowhere than the four seeds. So they could just rest everybody uh, and play that home game against the Bengals probably again. Either way, 40-14, to Jags lose badly. Badly on the road, which I'm not mad at. Speaking of losing badly, the Green Bay Packers have lost badly thus far this year. It's not gone well. Aaron Rodgers has been kind of in his uh, accusation or whatever he was taking. He has not played well. But on Sunday against the Chicago Bears, as he said, that's the team he owns. He's the second owner of that team or something of that magnitude. And this was a game that didn't start well for the Green Bay Packers, though, because Justin Fields, Rodgers' counterpart, can run, and he can run really, really well. He ran all the way to the end zone on a Packers. Fields, oh, what a move to move past Nixon. And Justin Fields ahead of the field.
1: And gone. what a run.
0: The Bears were flying high at that point. Up 10 to nothing. They would then score later to make it 16 to 3. But a missed. Extra point made it 16-3. A Christian Watson touchdown right before the half. Made it 16-10. Cairo Santos extended the lead to 19-10 going into the fourth quarter. Oh, man, could the Bears finally knock off the Packers? Uh, no. Because it started in the fourth quarter with A.J. Dillon cutting the lead. make <laughs> it to Watson, give
1: it to Dillon, and A.J. Dillon on the move. Into the end zone, it's a touchdown,
0: and the Packers are within a score. In fact, after the extra point, the Packers were within two. They would take the lead on a Mason Crosby field goal of 4.49 left. They got the ball just under the two-minute warning, and this time Kristen Watson wasn't going to catch and run. He was just going to run on a reverse 46 yards to seal it and beat the Bears at Soldier Field.
1: Remember, the Bears also have a missed PAT and a field goal blocked in a one-point game. It's not the first time that's happened this year. It's Watson on the end around. the round. He can fly. And he can fly to the end zone. Touchdown, Green Bay.
0: Yeah, dude actually took off. He left his feet to fly in the end zone. He didn't really know what he was going to do. He just got so excited. He just kind of took off. Christian Watson has been an absolute revelation for the green Bay Packers lately the second round pick coming out of North Dakota State had that reverse for a touchdown had the touchdown catch he was absolutely fantastic A.J. Dillon led the Packers on the ground with 93 yards and a touchdown Alan Lazard at 67 yards receiving Justin Fields threw for 254 he ran for 71 and a touchdown that 55 yarder you heard but he also threw two interceptions back breakers the Bears fall to three and ten as the Packers move to five and eight and stay alive just by the hair of their chinny chin chin. Oh my goodness. Speaking of staying alive, Miami and San Francisco are more than alive. They are right in the mix. And Mike McDaniel was going back to where he cut his teeth. In fact, he was the offensive coordinator just recently for Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco. So on the first play, he tried to show his former boss what he had learned. As in to a tongue of Iloa, to Trent Sherfield to start the scoring on the first play.
1: This explosive offense gets things going with a quick throw down the seam and it's Trent Sherfield, a big play on the first one. Home run, play one to the house. What a start for the Dolphins.
0: 75-yard lightning strike from Trent Shurfield. But the 49ers, well, they've got offensive threats, too, including one they just traded for, Christian McCaffrey. 15-yard line. Out of the
1: timeout from the 41, McCaffrey.
0: Cuts it back
1: into the clear. Christian McCaffrey inside the 15, down
0: to the 11. 30-yard run. McCaffrey had a big day on the ground, 66 yards rushing. He had 80 yards receiving as well, eight catches and one touchdown. That touchdown, right at the end of the first half, gave San Francisco a 17-10 to lead. But it was the defense that really took over for San Francisco. They got after Tua Tungavailoa and created a lot of turnovers, including this one to Jimmy Ward. Tungavailoa. Uh-oh! Superman dive and an interception. The Niners would end up taking a 23-10 lead. But early in the fourth quarter, Tua went deep to his guy. Yeah, Tyreek Hill.
1: Empty it out on first and 10. Again, well protected. Here's a deep ball In the blink of an eye, they find it and strike from 45 yards. And it's a
0: one-score game early in the fourth. Oh, boy, it was getting exciting. But the Niners went right back to work behind Brock Purdy. Backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten hurt. And Purdy came into game and really kept it together. He threw for 210 yards, two touchdowns, and got, another, uh, got the 49ers a position for another field goal, which Robbie Gould knocked home to give them a 26-17 lead. It was essentially over the two-score lead under two minutes. But the Niner defense put the capper on it right here.
1: One of his best games as a 49er. Down nine with two to go. Tonga by law. Hit as he throws. Ball is out. Ball is live. And it is a touchdown for
0: Dre Greenlaw. Oh, man, I remember that foghorn from last year. My goodness. Greenlaw's 23-yard fumble return gave the Niners a 33-17 lead. It put both teams at 8 and 4 and don't look now but the Niners are really really difficult. Like I said, Purdy a really solid ball game replacing uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Tua to Tagovailoa did throw for almost 300 yards and two touchdowns, but two interceptions including that one to Jimmy Ward, the fumble at the end overshadowed a tremendous game by Tyreek Hill. 9 catches, 146 yards and a touchdown really fun football game to watch, but San Francisco dominated from the beginning. All right, let's get to the afternoon games, and there was one great one out in Las Vegas as the Chargers were taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders got tricky. You could just tell that he is in the zone, and he is feeling
1: it. Flea flicker. Going to throw it deep. Has a man open. Devontae Adams, touchdown.
0: After a defensive stop, the Raiders got the ball back. That first Adams touchdown gave them a 17-13 lead. This second one gave them a 24-13 lead. And what a beautiful throw this was from Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. Jacobs in the backfield. Here are the Raiders at the
1: 31. Carr gonna go for it all. To the end zone. Caught in the end zone. Devontae Adams. Touchdown.
0: The Raiders paid a lot for Devontae Adams through draft capital and money, but it's paying off. That guy has been unbelievable. Two straight touchdowns, game a 24-13 lead. Daniel Carlson. Kicked off the fourth quarter, literally, with a 25-yard field goal to give the Vegas Raiders a 14-point lead. But the Chargers weren't quite done, at least not on this day. They need the 23 for a first
1: down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the
0: sideline. Caught in
1: the end zone.
0: (laughs) Keenan Allen for the touchdown. What a throw. What a catch. I mean, that throw was just stupid. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Herbert, I I mean, I don't even know how to describe some of the things he does. That would cut it to 27-20, but the Raiders would allow the Chargers no more, and that's how it would finish. The Raiders move to 5-7, and and don't look now. They're still in the mix. They're playing much better football. Derek Carr and Devante Adams are clicking. Josh Jacobs is getting it done. Jacobs ran for 144 yards and one touchdown. Adams had 177 of Derek Carr's 250 yards passing. Eight receptions, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen, Slayer was great too. Six catches, that touchdown you just heard. 88 yards receiving. Herbert threw for 335 yards. Those guys put on a show out west as the Raiders moved to five and seven. Man, what a game that was. But it wasn't the only game at the end of the day. Let's go to L.A. SoFi Stadium. No Matt Stafford. He's been put on IR, but the Rams battled. In fact, the Rams had a 23 to 20 lead after a Cam Akers touchdown run. But Geno Smith got a drive going. He got him down to the 8-yard line with 36 seconds left. And when that's the case, who do you go to? That's right. D.K. Metcalf. Smith waiting for the shotgun snap.
1: The fake. Rolls right, throws for the end zone. It is caught. DK Metcalf overpowering the Rams to snatch it away
0: and give Seattle the late lead. It was a late lead. They would keep 27-23. DK, fantastic on this day. Actually, he and Tyler Lockett. How about this? Metcalf, 8 for 127, touchdown. Lockett, 9 for 128, touchdown. Seattle moves to 7 and 5. Rams fall to 3 and 9. 3 and 9. And the Lions love that because that just gives the Lions a better draft pick. All right, that was week 13 in the NFL. We get back to talk to our buddy Andre Ware right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Monday edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst, silent reporter for your Houston Texans. I like to fancy myself as a little bit of a a draft lover, I don't like the word. use the word expert, like to maybe use analyst, I guess that's a good, good word. So we were talking this morning with Mark about certain things that were happening, and one of the things that happened over the weekend was that Michael Penix, quarterback at the University of Washington, a guy that Andre Ware loves, decided to go back to Washington. And so we wanted to get Dre's thoughts about that, and then the conversation went, well, the way it typically goes.
3: Before we get into anything else, we were in a conversation about Michael Penix going back to school. Why do you think this happens? Why does he do it? Is it the NIL money with these guys? It's so good that, hey, it stayed in school another year. is not that damaging financially. In fact, it's not that bad at all. What do you think?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get money that's, you know, comparable So a lot of guys can for their uh, college careers rather than uh, having to leave early, you know, with NIL rather than leaving early to to, uh, to go to the NFL, I think you're going to see more kids stay in school. Uh, there is no rush, and you're having a you know a ton of fun at this point in your life. Why rush off, you know? And, and I think that's one reason um, because he's going to have the NIL stuff. He doesn't have to rush. I think the second one for him is that he wants to prove to scouts and NFL types that he can stay healthy not only one season but a second consecutive season because he had... Uh, injury-marred uh, first couple of years at Indiana, this is the first year that he actually finished uh, the year without an injury. So I, I think that's part of the equation as well.
0: Yeah, that's what we talked about. Dre, I'm going to ask you this because you had a decision to make back in the day at University of Houston. And maybe it's tough And you know, a few years later, just a handful of years later, obviously. If NIL had been around when you were back in college, would you have stayed another year at University of Houston?
4: That's a great question, Johnny. Um, you know, who knows? You know, what's, what type of NIL money would I have been getting at that time? Um, I'd like to think a healthy, you know, comparable to what, what's out there today, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and whatever that rate was back then. But, um, you know, my reasoning for leaving was, was when Jack Pardee, I never thought about leaving, actually. I was coming back. Uh, I was hell-bent on coming back. When Coach Pardee left to go to the Oilers and he took that job, that's, when, that, that's the only time I even thought about, uh, well, maybe I need to look into this. And that's when I ultimately came to that decision. But I was coming back.
3: Dre, thoughts on what you saw from Watson yesterday. Let's start there. How do you think he looked and where it's going from here? I mean, obviously it didn't look good. But what do you think of the uh, projection here in the final stretch run of the season?
4: I think he played exactly the way I thought he would play, which would be up and down. Uh, at times he would make some good decisions and he would look like Deshaun and he would wow you with a play or two here and there. And then he's going to throw uh, an interception or, or throw the ball in an area of the field that you, you're you like, whoa, who is this guy? The interception in the end zone to Jalen Petrie, uh, there are a couple of balls that just absolutely nosedived. That's just from... Uh, the anticipation of being back out there or or certain plays, or you're trying to anticipate a guy come up, come open. And you're just holding the ball too tight. And when you do that, the ball's going to nosedive on you. And that's just, he's just, he'll get better and better and better each and every week that he's out there because the nerves will lessen. The pressure will lessen. And if he can come into that environment and, and, and give the type of performance yesterday without just falling flat on his back, and he is well on his way.
0: Dre, we talked about the defense the last few weeks. Gave up, I mean, just 16 points to Washington, just 16 points to Miami, and just yesterday, three really, because three you could account or ten you could give the special teams, and then two touchdowns given up by the offense. So defense kind of going up. It's into the bargain. Offense, not so much. So I'm going to let you be the offensive uh I'm not even gonna call you offensive coordinator, I'm just gonna make you the offensive guru. You're in charge of the offense. What would you do going forward, whether it's personnel, scheme changes, what would you want to do with this offense to get it going for the last five weeks?
4: Well, you know, <clears throat> I've got the luxury of being on the outside looking in and seeing every game. So uh I would speed things up. <clears throat> whether I go back to Davis Mills or not, I don't think that matters at this point. Uh I probably would make that that change as well. I would give uh, Damian Pierce the ball <laughs> down close near the goal line. Uh, that would that be a no-brainer. But ultimately, I would just speed the th- I would speed everything up. I would equip this group with the ability to go no huddle at any time. And when things are stale, uh, you need to take the thinking out of it for for guys. At, at times, there are pressure situations during games all the time. And you've got to know what buttons to push when guys start to feel that pressure, especially the guy at quarterback. And so, you know, you give them something easy. Well, what is that? You know, a hitch route on the outside, a slant, anything. Back to the line of scrimmage after a big play or a a nice run by your running back. Let's put some pressure on the defense and let's just go run a play as opposed to who do I have to identify? Who am I blocking right here? Who's doing this? Let's attack every once in a while. And I, I think they would be better served if they took a little bit more of that approach. I know watching Davis Mills the last two, two seasons, that's where he flourishes the best.
3: Dre, what about the Cowboys? Your thoughts on them as the Texans visit Arlington Sunday at noon. They blew out the Colts last night. It was a two-point game heading into the fourth, but then they scored 33 in the fourth. My goodness, your thoughts.
4: I fear anybody that has a running game, <laughs> a big-time running back. And the Cowboys happen to have, two, Tony Pollard and, and uh, Double E's over there. So uh, that's what scares me the most. It's not Dak. It's not, uh, you know, 88 or any of that mystique. It's just the running game. And they, they are big up front on the offensive line. That's what they can still do. Their, their lack of comes in protecting Dak but uh, they can come off the football and the running game's solid. We know what the defense is about. They'll get after the quarterback. This will be a tall order uh, this coming week.
0: Yeah, it is definitely going to be a tall order. There's no doubt about that. But Texas got to be up to it. Defense is playing a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. But this is probably the biggest challenge actually the next couple of weeks. Dallas, then Kansas City. Yikes. But you got to step right up as michael Irvin once said i've heard many people say this you don't walk up and tap the 800 pound gorilla you punch it right in the mouth so you gotta go to dallas and punch it right in the mouth coming up next our buddy john mcclain stops by we got a lot to talk about with the general right here on texans all access we got one final segment left of this monday edition of texans all access from the hyundai texans radio studio i'm your host john harris football analyst sideline reporter your Texans and I know we got a lot of fans out there today but I gotta give some props to today's biggest Houston fan that's Daikin D-A-I-K-I-N these guys are doing big things in H-Town as the world's number one indoor comfort provider Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all from comfort and convenience to air quality Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at com. That's Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, com. And we love you, Dykin, and thank you very much for being part of the show. And we love John McClain when he is part of our show. And he was part of the show with Mark and I and gave his thoughts on everything going on with the Texans. Let's dive in with the general John McClain. Watson looked
3: shaky at best as far as throwing the football. Your thoughts. Good morning.
2: Good morning, guys. How are you? Um, I think uh, nobody was surprised that Watson, after a 700-day layoff, would would it be very rusty. He was. That play that you're particularly pointing to right there, that was first down. They should have run the ball. It looked like Kevin Stefanski, the coach, was trying to help Watson look good early, maybe get some confidence. Petrie stepped in front of him and they could have, you know, they could have scored a touchdown after that. They drove down there and I thought, uh, the Browns were ripe to be beaten. Watson was not good, uh, as we expected. And, um, uh, and they couldn't pull it off because, you know, you give up two touchdowns on defense and one on special teams and you're one out of 12 on third down 8.3% and you're one out of four red zone. It's not going to happen. And, um, and plus, you know, they could have won and still had the first pick, and then they could have given the Browns another loss, which would have benefited that first-round pick.
0: John, did you think at some point, we talked about this, and I think everybody assumed there was going to be some rust, but by the second half, he would sh- he would sort of shake it off. But he never did. It was the third game of his career only that he had not accounted for a touchdown in any way, shape, or form, throwing, rushing, receiving. Did you think he would shake it off a little bit better than he actually did? And as they go into Cincinnati, ooh, man, how do you think that's going to fare for him?
2: I didn't have any idea. Nobody could have had any idea. I said on six ten last week, and I wrote that it could be one quarter, it could be one game, it could be the rest of the season before we see the real Deshaun Watson because we haven't seen him in so long, and not just has he not played. You know, But he was booed every time he came on the field, every time he walked through the line of scrimmage. The fans that were there made a lot of noise. And uh, so he's got a lot of pressure on him mentally to do well because he knows he's paid $230 million and his reputation is tarnished forever. And uh, I'm sure he was pressing a little bit. And now their schedule gets tougher with Cincinnati and Baltimore, although Lamar Jackson is out for the Ravens, but I don't see them making a push. I was with some of my longtime friends in the Cleveland media before the game. And, and, uh, and when I walked up, they were kind of whispering, well, if they win this one, they pull this one. I said, guys, don't even sit there and think about the playoffs in this Mm -hmm. situation. Oh, playoffs. No, we're not talking playoffs. And I think because they could have run the ball more with Nick Chubb, they ended up with hundred and seventy four yards rushing. But the Texans again, not in the last two games, but again, were within striking distance in the fourth quarter and didn't get and got awful play from Kyle Allen and the offense and and couldn't pull it off. But I think the Browns, they, they you know, they may They've got to play at Washington and Pittsburgh in the last two. And uh, they're capable maybe, I think, of winning a couple of those games. Unless all of a sudden uh, he's just all it's like Clark can Kent running in a, in a phone booth and coming out as Superman. But based on what I saw yesterday, I don't think we're going to see the real Watson until next season.
3: John McClain joining us. General, turnovers kill, and they did yesterday. It was good to see Damian Pierce get back in the flow a little bit. 73 yards yesterday, 4.1 per carry. But the quarterbacks, no matter who's in there, it just it's inaccurate and it's not happening. There's turnover problems, and this is the kind of offense where you're designing it to not turn the ball over, to be ball protective and take your opportunities as they come. Hope the defense forces some turnovers. Your thoughts.
2: First of all, about Damian Pierce, 55 yards in the first quarter, 18 in the last three quarters. They just shut mm. down the running game, or they adjusted, and the Texans didn't adjust, but it started off so well. Nine carries and 55, and then nine carries in 18, and they just – Still, even when Pierce is running well, they have not been able to sustain it since the Eagles and the Giants games when he averaged 115.6. And the turnovers, you know, Kyle Allen was an undrafted free agent for a reason. He's not played well at all. And uh, it was so weird on the fumble, on the sneak, and then all of a sudden Denzel Ward standing there like, oh, look what, what I found, like an egg coming out of a chicken. Just picked it up. Walked it in, easy touchdown, and the other one was a 16-yard touchdown. Not only do you have two returns for touchdown, but they total only 20 yards. It's like last week. Uh, the The Dolphins went 59 yards for one touchdown, driving three for the next one because of the offense. So the offense has just been terrible, and – um and I don't see it getting any better. The passing game is awful. That's interception, I think, in seven consecutive games. And uh, one of the things over those last five last year, when we saw so much promise with Davis Mills, only two interceptions, nine touchdowns, 100 rating. And uh, but they become a turnover machine. And that's one reason they have the worst record in the league. And they've scored the second fewest points to the Broncos.
0: All right, General. So what would you do? With the offense, I'll give you uh, an. – an, I'm an offensive genie. I can grant you three wishes. Within reason, what wishes would you make, i.e., what would you do, especially with the quarterback position, what would you do right now?
2: Well, uh, I'd I go back to Davis Mills. Last year, Mills sat when Tyrod Taylor came back. Tyrod did not play as well coming off his injury as he had when uh, – before he was hurt and then Mills came back and after having that different perspective on the bench he was good gave everybody hope for this season so right now uh, he wasn't playing anywhere near what he did over the last five games but I feel bad for Allen I don't see it changing and so I would go back to Mills oh they have so many check downs so many short passes they can't Throw it down the field. They had the one touchdown drive at the end of the game, and more at the 39-yard catch. And it, uh, it just, um, it, the offense is just not working. It, it's, 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 I and I, you, you guys know this, Mark. I know you're not going to say this. I don't think because maybe you can't judge it. But I go back to all the offenses I've seen going back since I started covering the NFL here, and I was looking at the worst. Oilers' offenses in this one, and I've never seen one worse than this. And mm. uh, the turnovers, the turnovers make it even worse. It's one thing if you were punting all the time, but when you're ha- helping the opponent opposing offense as much as this one is, it's something else. And I started thinking about the offseason, I'm writing a column about Nick Casario this week for Galleriesports.com about people saying he should be fired, and I'm saying, why? He's in the second year of a rebuild? He's not calling the plays. You know, he didn't. He's not throwing the passes. And they finally, finally, have a lot of draft choices, and they have uh, cap money. And uh, and I'm where I sit in the press box is close to scouts, and the scouts have told me they're impressed with the picks the Texans made this year, and those guys, you know, give them time to develop. They were really talking up Christian Harris. So I like to hear voices outside that don't. you know, don't have a dog in the hunt. And uh, I think this off season's is going to be very exciting, but the rest of the season, man, I just, with this offense playing the way it is, I've just never seen one this unproductive. The third downs, I mean, Mike, goodness they've been the worst third down team all year mills was the worst third down quarterback and i'm guessing allen is too you know eight percent on third down you're not going to get a lot of accomplished when you're eight point excuse me eight point five eight point three percent on third down and they just can't stay on the field and i feel bad for the defense the offense to me has more talent than the defense but of course it's missing at the most important position on the team and hopefully that Nick Casario can uh, rectify that in the off season. Absolutely agree, General,
0: one thousand percent. All right, big thanks to the general, to Andre Ware, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. My guy Chris Santiago. We'll see you tomorrow everybody. And as always, go Texans.